Today's topic is what does it mean to be a Christian? And it's um, something that I'm very passionate about. And I pray Recording that, in progress. I pray that um, we are all blessed this evening and we all leave with something that inspires and encourages us. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you and I give you praise, Lord God, for your word. Your word speaks life, Lord God. Your word brings encouragement, Lord. It gives us hope and faith, Lord God. It inspires us, Lord God, to love the way that you love, Lord God. And I pray that this evening, Lord God, that we are transformed by your word and that we leave, Lord God, refreshed, Lord God, and a better version of what you want us to be, Lord. I thank you and I give you praise, O Lord God, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, um, just what does it mean to be a Christian? So as Christians, of course, many of you know that we are held by a certain standard and a perception automatically. I don't know if any of you have ever encountered that in your life. The moment you tell people that you're a Christian or you tell people that you are a ministry, there's a different perspective. Oh, and by the way, please, today I do want participation, okay? I don't want us to be quiet. I do want us to just um, break. It should be a moment of breaking bed, bread together and, under, um, and, and going into the scriptures. Um, amen. So we have a, a, a percept, people have a perception of us automatically, the world, non-believers. And um, that standard and perception, of course, is not always correct, right? How can somebody who doesn't know our beliefs and doesn't, uh, haven't read the scripture in the Bible, how are they allowed to tell us um, how we should be, what we should do or not do, what they think a Christian should be like? Um, we are the ones, rather, that should be letting them know what it's like to be a Christian. And it should be attractive. It should be something that attracts us to others, people to Christ. We're called to be light for a reason. And uh, anybody, everybody loves light, okay? Where there is light, darkness goes away. So um, I want us to keep that in mind as we go in. And um, the reason for this is because I believe there's a bit of an identity crisis when it comes to um, believers. We don't really understand who we are, and we don't really understand what it means to be a Christian. And um, hopefully, I pray that it's more clarified as we go into our study. So for our study today, most of the study is going to be coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I know that usually these verses are, um, they speak about love and um, they're usually used at weddings. A lot of weddings use the verses because they think it's romantic, they think it's nice. Um, but we're going to really go into these verses to really describe um, who we are to be, what God has called us to be, because truly God is love, right? And we can't give that out to other people or to ourselves if we don't have that full understanding of what it means to have God's love. It's more than just something that is romantic. It's a deeper type of love. Amen? Okay, so before we get into that, though, I thought it would be very, very important and beneficial for all of us to understand first 
our name. Christians. Where do we get our name? So I'm going to open up the floor. If anybody, does anybody have any idea? Why are we called Christians? Anyone? Okay, I want us all to turn to the book of Acts. That's where we're going to start off. Does it, oh, I heard somebody unmute their microphone. I was going to say the disciples were not Christians because um, people saw their lifestyle. They realized that they lived like Christ. They were followers of Christ. And, and that's where we got our name from. Yes, yes. And that is going to be very significant to who we are. So with that, thank you, Minister Lily. With that segue, let's go into the book of Acts. I want us to read it for ourselves, okay? The book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Acts 11, 19 to 26. So let's read together. Hopefully you guys are there. Jot it down if you don't, um, if you can't get to it fast enough. Acts 11, verses 19 through 26. And reading the word is important because it gives us better insight. So I'm, I'm hoping that everybody's opening the scripture with me. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This is the first mention of the word and we, where we've got our name from. Now, there are some terms in this piece of scripture that I want us to go into because it gives us a deeper insight into who we are. Uh, you know, I think it's important. So first off, does, uh, well, let me ask you guys, does anything strike you from this verse? Is there anything that comes out at you as you read the scripture? Yep. There were black people involved in the uh, revival of the gospel to the Gentile world. I think it's a fact that many people have to know because most times people question the existence of what role does the black man play in, in the Bible. 
and this is one of them. People who are from Siren were black people who now live in a place called Libya today. So it's very interesting to note that Cyprus and Cyrenians, who were black people, were involved in the preaching of the gospel. They actually knew Christ, they preached Christ, and it's, and it's because of them that Antioch got saved. So yes. uh, most of us are blacks here. Yeah. So uh, um, Christianity is not a white man's religion passed on to us. And our religion is quote-unquote ATR, African traditional religion. We were Christians. So uh, Christianity is a colorless religion. So I know we're talking about Christians, but that is what struck me the most. And I think they should serve as solace to any black person. Because most times, blacks are really silent in the Bible. But if you look through the Bible, you will see them there. Amen. Amen. I think that that is a powerful point. A very, very powerful point. Um, it's because when we read this, this they are the ones that preached to the church to to the Christians there, and um, among them were were Jews. They were the Jewish Hellenists. So thank you, Pastor, for that. That is very, very strong point, um, and and I think it helps us with our identity. Like I said before, I think there's an identity crisis, and I think that we need to understand fully what that is from Scripture. You know, not what somebody thinks or somebody's opinion of who they think we are. And um, as you rightly said, um, you know, we there is no color, and that's something that we all have to really, really understand. Amen. 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 Thank you. That's so powerful. I really love that. Um, the other thing that um, I wanted us to look at here is also the um, Hellenists. It said they, they, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. So now we know what that is, who they are. I'm sorry. Now we know who they are, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. The Hellenists is here is referring to Jews who spoke Greek. The Jewish people had um, left Jerusalem. There was like a dia- uh, there was a spreading. Okay, this was this happened during the um, stoning of Stephen. I know we've mentioned the stoning of Stephen before, and it was uh, something that. During that persecution, remember that Saul was um, the one persecuting the church. It was among them, at least. He was among the ones that were persecuting the church. And during that persecution, um, Stephen was stoned, and it caused chaos and ruckus. So many of them decided to leave Jerusalem for safety. So a lot of them left, and they left into different um, cities and different regions, okay? And um, one of the cities was Antioch. Now, Antioch, the other point here is Antioch is going to be crucial in the spreading of the gospel. As you can see, a lot of people came to Antioch, and that was because of the roads. Antioch was very central. It was considered the cradle of Christianity, and as you can see, the, there was roads um, that helped the people from Cyprus and Cyrene to come that also were extremely crucial, um, as Pastor Stephen um, told us earlier, in the spreading of the gospel. They preached to the Jews. They, 
they preached to Jews that spoke Greek um, because they had mixed their religion. They had mixed with Greek culture and the worship of Greek gods. Okay, and um, then comes the gospel and they get saved. Um, so that's going to also be very, very important to our study. Okay, so, so right now, does anybody want to add or have questions so far? Okay, if you do, don't worry. Um, you could, um, as you go along, you could put it in the chat box or um, let me know by raising your hand. And then um, I want it to be very, very interactive. So please do um, have questions as we're going through the thinking process here. So now let's get to the part where we are called Christians. Now the Greeks during that time were a very sarcastic group of people. And those that did not believe um, in us, and they made fun of people, okay? They loved making fun of other people. Um, and so they were picking on us, like Minister Lily said, they were picking on us because we were different in how we thought, how we did things, our behavior, our ways were such in great contrast to the rest of them, the rest of the city in Antioch, that they started trying to make, they tried to make fun of us. And they made fun of us by calling us Christians. And the term was meant to be a sarcastic term, meaning like little Christ, like you all are trying to be little Christ, you know? And um, it ended up sticking because truly we are distinguishable people and our, um, Identity is found because we are followers of Christ, because we are um, wanting to be more and more like Christ. And so it became a term that was preferable. Um, during that time, most of the Christians among themselves, they used to call themselves brethren, you know, brother, sister, which we still do today. Um, and it's right to do that, you know, um, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. It's it's because we're family. We're among each other, right? Um, or they used to call each other disciple. Okay, disciple. So disciple Joel or disciple Robert, disciple Felicia or sister Felicia. It was the way that we would identify each other. Okay. Amen. So, so far, so good. Is everybody following? Okay, good. Um, so now let's go to our scripture. I did want to, um, I'm thinking about whether I should bring it out or not. Um, but I think it's fine because um, I don't think any of you have questions over that um, at, the, at this time. And if it comes up later, we can discuss it. Um, you're, I'm, I'm surprised nobody asked that um, you know, they were preaching to the Jews. So what about the Gentiles? And nobody asked that question, right? So um, that, do, that does happen. Um, Peter was, um, and if you go back into Acts 10, um, he was the one that also started breaking the grounds to preach to the Gentiles. So that continues after this point. Um, the Jews come in and then 
um, the preaching to the Gentiles continues. It has it started already. If you if you read the book of Acts, it goes into Acts um, Acts chapter ten, the the uh, chapter before that that starts already occurring. And we could see that if you guys want to read it, you can on your own. Acts ten. I'm just going to read this one verse. Acts ten forty five. Um, it said, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So as remember, the Gentiles are um, people that are not Jews. And so we see um, everybody getting preached to and everybody coming to the Lord. Okay, so now let's get into more of, um, so now we understand, right, where we get our name and who we are as far as our name is concerned. So let's go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to go through the first few verses and we'll continue next week with it um, because I know we're not going to be able to get through everything today. Acts 13. I mean, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verses one through three. We're going to go to verse three, and if we have time, we'll continue to verse four. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Amen. Let's look at that first verse, and then we'll go. Um, we'll continue on. So the first verse, I want to read it again. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Okay, so you guys tell me before I get into. I don't want to keep talking, talking, talking. So, what do you guys think of that first verse? What does it mean to be a clanging? What does it say? It says we become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. What does it mean to be clanging brass and a sounding cymbal? It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become a sounding brass. I think that's the thing that sticks out to me, at least. What's What does that mean? I can't really, um, I don't really understand what that means. It's kind of confusing a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. when you say, when it says, but have not love, I have become sounding brass, it's like, like you don't have nothing to say or mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. it's kind of confusing. Yeah, so so let's break that down. Yeah, I think I think you're on it though. Yes, you are. You're on it. So let's let's start with though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So 
What does that mean? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So obviously men speak in their own language, whatever language. So we speak English, right? So let's say I can speak to, I can speak to anything. I can talk it. I can walk it. I can do it. I'm so good that I can even speak to angels and angels, you know, if it's, it's a little bit, it's a play on, it's a little metaphorical. Um, or you could take it like speaking in tongues, like we could, we speak in tongues, right? So um, we can speak in tongues. We, we do it so good. We, we're good at it. But if we don't have love, it becomes like noise. It becomes, because what, what, I mean, have you heard a child try to play with like these, these, um, you know, like the, the symbols, the, you know, the, what do you call those? Yeah, that's, those are the symbols, you know, those, um, the round things. Sometimes they have the little toys with the monkey that has the things that clang. It's just like noise. It's noise. It's just noise. It doesn't do anything else. It's just a lot of noise. So what, what we're saying here, what the scripture is saying here is without love, if love is not there, when we preach or when we talk to each other or when we, it, it's, it's no, noise, it doesn't mean anything. It becomes empty. It's like you were saying, Shaquana, it becomes like nothing. It's like you're not doing anything. It becomes no good to anybody. We're not helping anybody. We're not edifying anybody. We're not encouraging anybody if love is not at the center. So as a Christian, what does that mean? It is not enough that we know how to talk. We say the right words. You know, some of us have become masters at speaking Christian. You know, um, we're masters at saying the right things. Um, you know, we go, we, we become masters of knowing, um, how to do Christian, but we're not in the inside of us. It's not happening, you know, because we've so caught up in our doing that we're not looking inward and love is something that's an inner working. And that's something that's going to be important as we go through this. It, love is an inner working. It's allowing God in your inner being and, and accepting God's love. You know, and, and that's a, that, that takes a lot of work because a lot of us come from different cultures and different backgrounds and different teachings that may not be good. They may not be right. And allowing God's love to work through that. And maybe there's been abuse um, in your life. You've gone through trauma in our lives. We've gone through so many things. And allowing God's love to work in our inner being so that we don't become bitter. We don't lash out. We don't, you know, and so, and so forth and so on. Um, we can become numb and go through the motions of Christianity. We're just, we're just going through the motions. We do it because that's what we do, you know. Um, so it's, so that particular verse is talking about our, our speaking. 
what we say are, are you know, um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for example, um, in scripture were people that prayed and fasted. They prayed and fasted. They, they were upset. One of the things was they were upset because they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples um, fast the way that we do? Why? Why don't they do that? And Jesus' answer was because they were still, I'm still here and they are with me. You know, it, it, it was such a, it's such a great contrast. You know, the, the Pharisees' whole thing was the doing, the outside, the outside, the doing of, of belief. But there wasn't an inner working of the belief. So it became a great contrast. So even though they prayed, they could stand praying for hours and hours and fasting for days. It was like nothing. It became nothing to God because there was no inner working of what God's message was really about. There was no mercy. There was no love. There was no, it was all about just doing, doing, and doing. And so as Christians, it's not just about the doing. It's about the inner working of God, God's love in our life. Amen. Shaquana, is that now a little better? Yes. Do you understand it now? Do, do we get it? I do because um, it's like when the scripture says... Um, we love because he first loved us and for God is love. Love has to be the center of of what you're preaching about because if it's not, then like you just said, it is a bunch of noise. It doesn't connect with anyone. Yes, thank you. Yes, that's it. It doesn't connect with anyone. I love that. It doesn't connect with anyone. And that's going to be a big, big thing. Um, amen. Amen. We our our charisma our we can be so charismatic we can be so smooth but it's never enough you know if we're judging each other criticizing one another and um i i pray that the holy spirit helps all of us to overcome some of those weaknesses that we do have okay um i'm not saying that we're going to be perfect because we all as much as we all strive to to love and to do as Christ tells us, we're not going to always get it right. Um, but the Holy Spirit is there to help us to overcome, and we should never have any guilt or condemnation when we make a mistake or do or say something that we weren't supposed to. We should always have love, um, and our prayers. The the other thing I wanted to bring out um, on this first verse is when. When we, um, we should always be looking to help others and that helping of others should always be centered on God's love. How many of us, and this is something that you guys can just to yourself, just think about how many times have you offered a neighbor or somebody, can I pray for you? Even if they believe or don't believe in what you believe in. If you ask people, majority of people will say yes. 
when they're in need of something that, you know, is not just money, it's not just giving them food, it's not just, but that putting their arm around them and saying, I'm with you, let's pray about this and see God work sometimes can be such a great motive of love to another person to help someone in need in that way. And I think that that's something that we should all just think about. As disciples of Christ, as people who believe in God, we should pray for other people, especially during their time of need. Amen. Okay, let's go. That was, that was a lot already, right? So let's go to our next verse. Um, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Um, I think the, the big thing, um, and we could all discuss this, of course, that kind of stands out for me in that verse is, you know, um, having the gift of prophecy, understanding all mysteries, having faith that can remove mountains. I mean, but if we have love, I am nothing. Not love. Sorry, Mr. Hayford. Oh, you say if we have love, and I said, no, if we have not love. Right. If we don't have love. Yes. If we don't have love. Um, I think it strikes me because I think faith that can move mountains. Who doesn't want to have faith that moves mountains? Who doesn't want that? If I had that, I would think that I have everything. Right? Let's think about that. If, if we had the faith that can move a, a mountain, no matter how big or heavy it is, if we had that kind of faith, what else do you think we would be missing? But here, the scripture says that you could have that faith, but if you have love, then we are nothing. And, you know, you kind of have to stop and pause and think, you know, wow. So even though I can have that type of faith, that can, you know, move a mountain and, you know, things happen. You know, that's, if you want to say it, it's powerful, right? We could be powerful, but if we don't have love, then it's, it's useless. That faith becomes useless. So let's talk about that. Why do you think that that faith is useless? Mm -hmm. and nothing else but why does our faith so it, mm -hmm. I mean it's whether what we're doing if we do it out of anything else other than love it's like he's saying it's it's worthless God said for God so love that he gave so 
anything we do should be out of love. So, I mean, even if you are disciplining a child, you discipline the child out of love, not because you are angry or anything. You shouldn't do it because you are angry. Because it should be because we want to make sure that they don't do it again. That will hurt them or will take them out of the, uh, the path of righteousness. You, you discipline them so that they can be in the path of righteousness. You, you, you do it out of love. But if you do it out of to get them back or to repay them or what I mean anything else is useless. You don't gain anything. But if you do it out of love then yes, you you'll be blessed and God will reward you mm -hmm. for doing it godly way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said some very, very key words that I wanted to highlight here. And that's what's important when we talk about love, you know, because we can, we can say it, but do we know what that really means? And so, Mr. Hayford, you, you touched a few things. And that is, you said that you would do it, discipline your child in love because you would want them to be, understand a righteous, righteousness. Mm -hmm. And you said that you wanted them to come to God's way, which is going to be a big difference. And I think that this is what we're, we're coming to here. We can um, understand and operate. So it, it talks about operating in the gifts, right? Faith. I was just picking on faith um, because... It, it just it struck me, okay, um, because who wouldn't want that kind of faith? But if we read that whole verse, it says um, that we have the gift of prophecy. We can understand the mysteries of scripture. We have knowledge, right? And we have faith. We have this powerful faith. And so we can understand and we can operate in all the gifts that God gives us, okay, we can um, we can prophesy. We can understand um, scripture so well, and we have so much knowledge, and we have this powerful faith. But if it's not leading people to God and God's ways of righteousness and um, God's ways of repentance, because that's what love does, right? Love causes people to repent and turn to God. If it's not doing that, it becomes worthless. All our knowledge of studying the scripture and all our big talk and all our big doing and becomes absolutely rubbish if love is not at the center. This is the ultimate. You know, we can, as people of God, and this is, this is why I'm so passionate about it, because it happens so much in our churches. And we begin to not understand what it means to be a Christian, what the sacrifice of the um, disciples 
of the ancient days had to do and go through, you know, so much so that our name was supposed to be meant as an insult that we now are people that just go through our way thinking that just because, you know, we can pray and we can fast and we can prophesy that we're now it. And we forget the center of what Christ came to do. Christ died because God so loved the world. And and when we go deep into what that love looks like and what that love really is, it causes us to change. And it causes people around us to change. Because when we change, people around us will change. And sometimes as Christians, we get that backwards. We think that uh, people should do and this and that, and they should act like Christians without the deep transformation of God's love. We can prophesy. I mean, any one of us right now can prophesy because that's what we're Christians. This is something that we do. We can prophesy. We, um, I, I'm sure a lot of us understand a lot of the scriptures and we can break it down and we can teach it and everything. But what use is it if it can't cause transformation? This is what this piece of scripture is saying. So let's read it one more time. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. It should cause us to question again ourselves, our motives, where we're at and ask us, why do I do what I do? Is it because I truly believe in God's transformative love in my life and for other people? Because if we do, then talking to another person, um, learning about God becomes something that we just love to do. It becomes natural to us. It becomes like, oh, I, 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 I'm so happy and I'm, I'm so, I need God's word. I want God. I love God. I want other people. It, it gives us that excitement, that freshness that we all sometimes need. Amen. Amen. I want to hear somebody. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's go to the next verse because we have just a few minutes. And verse three, and though I bestow all my, amen, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. We are, as Christians, we are not here to give shows. This is not about a show. This is not about, this is what I, um, I'm, if we're going to go through it again, the verse, the third verse. 
It's not so other people can say, oh, those Christians are good. That church does good things. You know, um, we, we can feed a whole bunch of poor people. We can hand out food to everybody. Um, but if we don't have the love for it, what good is it going to really do? How are we touching our communities? It's good. It's good to give. We should all be giving because people need, people are in need, people are suffering. It's good to give to the poor. It's good to give to people who are hungry. It's, it's good, but what is our motive? Are we doing it for a show? Are we doing it because we're supposed to do it? Are we doing it because we don't want people to, to think bad about us? You know, I've been in situations where, you know, people ask me for money. Um, and I'm sure some of us have been in that situation. And sometimes we could feel pressured to give money simply because we feel our arm is being twisted, right? We think that, oh, I, I have to give. I have to give because of one, two, and three. Um, some maybe family members will say something bad, or, but our motive should always be love. We should always do it out of love because we want to help, because God is speaking to us, you know, et cetera, and so forth. We are Christians because we have a personal relationship with Christ. We believe that he is ours and we are his. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And so we give. That is why we give. That is why we feed the hungry. It's not the other way around. Um, people sometimes think that if they give and keep giving to other people, they somehow will get into heaven. I've, I've heard this kind of um, mentality among believers that they want to make sure they get into heaven, so they just give because they want to make sure that they're on God's good side. I don't know if some of you have ever heard that kind of thinking. Um, and I'm not going to say it's bad, but um, the best way to do it is because you, we love God so much that we want to touch other people's life so that they too will come to know God's love and also change. You know, it's good to give to the poor, but if we give them the gospel, that can absolutely transform and change their lives forever. Amen. Okay, I'm going to pause a little bit here. Does anybody have any questions or anything else they want to add or what they took away so far? We're at 10 minutes to 8. if your actions are actually rooted in love or if you're just putting on an act so it, it is about your motive but why are you doing what you're doing do you want something out of it or are you expecting something from it or are you just doing it out of pure love 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shaquana. Yeah. Amen. Yep. God does definitely know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, I think also it's, um, we, we ourselves will get a bigger return if our motive is right. I think it becomes, right? It, I think it becomes a greater blessing to us when, when we're doing that. Mm-hmm. It deepens our, I think it, it'll deepen our relationship with God because we'll see God move. We can see God move. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Thank you. So from this scripture, you come to learn that motive is everything. Like for example, when it comes to giving, like as a church, you, you don't you don't become charitable to a community because you want the community to fill your presence or you want to be relevant to the needs of the community. There are motives, but they are not as godly as love. So I think that's a very important one, that whatever that we do, we always have to uh, examine our motives. It has to be strictly and purely out of love. So why, why will you do campaign outreaches? Why will you do uh, charitable acts? It's because of love not because of influence or because you want to be relevant. It, 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 it might be a good motive, but it might not be a godly motive. And from this scripture, the godly motive that we are to pursue is love. So I think it's good that we are drawn back to this to help us scrutinize our motives, especially when it comes to the, 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 the practice of charity. Amen. Amen. And as as um, Pastor Steve was talking, I also thought of, you know, I think this is why sometimes we burn out as as ministers and pe- church workers, um, because we're so caught up in the doing in the ta- in the outreaches and the and the wanting to go do this and wanting to go do that because we want to have like um, presence in a community because we are looking for something else, but we're not looking for, because of love. We're, we're not doing it because God loves people, you know, and we want them to be transformed. We're not doing it for that reason. We're doing it for our own feel good because we want to feel good. And so um, we can burn out that way because I, I do believe that God's love is regenerative. I think it, it gives you energy. It's um, God's word in and of itself. That's what it does. It, it's, it gives us energy. It gives us refreshment. And it's supposed to serve as rivers of living water, right? Bread. It's the bread and water, bread that never makes us go hungry and water that never makes us thirst. So why are we burning out? I think we have to check our motives. I think that that will bring us back to um, doing things in a whole whole manner, I think in a godly manner um, as a ministry and as a church. Amen. And, And, you know, people shouldn't be criticized because 
they are tired or they don't feel well, they can't make it to certain things. And it's God's love. You know, we're, we're supposed to be serving one another, helping one another um, move on. Amen. Thank you for that contribution. Anybody else before we close today? Next week, we're going to um, go through the next few verses. Um, we're going to go through verse, verses 4 through 13, basically. Um, and we're going to just go into what that love really looks like. Um, today, we're looking more at uh, what our name means and our motives. And then next week, we're going to be looking at what that love looks like. What does God's love really look like? And how do we flesh that out um, where we are? Because um, I, I do believe that God's love just changes everything. It does. And it's never an easy thing. And I think it, it's romanticized sometimes. But it, it can also have its difficulties and uh, its sufferings. And we have to understand that. Amen. Let's pray this evening. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for your love, Lord God. We thank you, O Lord, that your love abounds, Lord God, even now, O Lord Jesus. May your love abound to each and every single person, Lord God, this evening, wherever they at, whatever they're going through today, O Lord. May it just abound upon them, Lord God. May you show them how much you love them this evening, Lord. Hold them, O oh Lord God, anybody who's not feeling well, who's feeling sick or feeling down or sad. May you uplift them this evening, O oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this love. May it continue, Lord God, to be our motive. May it be our motive, O oh Lord God, as you teach us and you show us more of what this love is about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Over Recording to, stopped. Over to Pastor Steve.